The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. This is Terry McLaurin, and you're listening to Roster Watch. Folks, welcome back for the week eight edition of the rosterwatch.com tradecast. My name is Byron Lambert. We'll have a little bit more of an impromptu version of the tradecast this week. I have already identified the player pool for the sell and buy side of the week eight fantasy football trade market. Uh, however, we are going to step through uh, some of the stats and some of the data points right here together live on the podcast today. So right now I'm going over to rosterwatch.com. I'm logging into my pro account. I'm opening up all the tools at Rosterwatch. And this is where we'll find a lot of the underlying data points uh, that contribute to our perspective on whether some of these players are buys uh, or sells this particular week. All right, let's go ahead and dive right in, folks, to the sell side of the week eight fantasy football trade market. Uh, let's begin with none other than Terry McLaurin, wide receiver of the Washington uh, Commanders. Uh, look, McLaurin, much in the same vein as DK Metcalf on this season, like actually been pretty decent for most weeks of the season, just hasn't really had the enormous upside games yet uh, of course we saw we like what we saw with Terry McLaurin this last week with uh, backup Taylor Heineke coming in who we've seen in the past can provide a spark to this Washington offense for more than a week for long stretches at a time so I think you feel fine about rostering Terry McLaurin at this moment that said Terry McLaurin coming off the 16 point performance uh, in well, week seven at home against Green Bay, really his best game of the season on eight targets. It was 73 yards uh, and a touchdown. Guys, he's wide receiver 33 on the season, average points per game uh, and half-point PPR formats. I think the name recognition is still there with McLaurin, and I I feel like people are probably feeling pretty decent about Terry McLaurin at this moment. Certainly not a must-sell, as we discuss oftentimes, you know, these guys aren't necessarily must sells or must buys. A lot of times this is about being opportunistic and how can we try to capitalize on the circumstances and conditions around our roster and around our league and our, our league mates rosters this particular week. So I think Terry McLaurin, an excellent candidate uh, to try to move on the trade market this week and see if you can fetch 
uh, a premium player in return in some kind of uh, combo deal. Um, Terry McLaurin, let's go ahead into the snap counts, touches, and targets tool this last week over at uh, rosterwatch.com. Uh, just to give you a little bit more context here on McLaurin, it was a 95% snap count on eight targets, like we said. Look again, Curtis Samuel, once again, eight targets, 10 touches for him. Um, Only a 77% snap count, though, for Curtis Samuel, which I think has mostly been the trend on the season. Jahan Dotson probably, I, I believe, nearing a return, the rookie, sooner than, than later. Uh, however, I think there's a really ripe opportunity um, to try to uh, improve your roster through the trade market with a player like Terry McLaurin. Tyler Boyd of the Cincinnati Bengals. I mean, the fact is Tyler Boyd, is behind Jamar Chase in the pecking order. He's behind T. Higgins in the pecking order. I mean, clearly Joe Mixon gets one of the highest volume touch per game running backs in all of football, sucking up a lot of usage in that offense. And then we've even seen the emergence of Hayden Hurst as like a pretty decent tight end option for Joe Burrow there in Cincinnati. So I just think Tyler Boyd is the kind of guy that He's not going to get your league mates super excited. You drafted him late. I think most people realize he's a bench player or like a flex or maybe like a wide receiver four on your team. But as the season, you know, the ebbs and the flows of the season, um, you know, unfold, you know, Tyler Boyd is just one of those guys that anytime he's coming off of a good game, again, he's not going to send your league mates doing cartwheels, but he's the kind of guy when he comes off of a big game, it's the time, it's the opportunity to try to try to see what you can get for him in some kind of probably combo deal with another player once again a consolidation trade where you're trying to take two of the players that uh reside on your roster package them together ship them over to another team for one of their you know more premium players in return thereby also liberating a roster spot for a very important uh waiver acquisition um as well uh, so Tyler Boyd, a guy that, you know, you're, he's not a guy you could depend on. He's a guy you're always kind of looking for an opportunity. He's almost dead weight in a lot of ways on your roster. Uh, he's had three games in double-digit points uh, out of the first seven of this season. Really, he's had two pretty good games. One was a 20-pointer in week three, and he had the 27-pointer at home against Atlanta uh, in week seven. It was nine targets for 155 yards and a touchdown. For Tyler Boyd this last week. Let's just have a look. I'm I'm sure his snap counts are um, probably you know quite impressive. I would imagine. I know he's he's a guy that gets a lot of run. Okay, actually a little bit surprising here. Only a 75% snap count for Tyler Boyd in Week Seven. Let's go back on the snap counts, touches, and targets tool at rosterwatch.com and just let's see if that's been the trend on the season because that actually surprised me 84% for T Higgins last week. All right, here we go. Week six, Tyler Boyd was a 96% snap count participant. Let's see what he was in week five, week five, a 97% snap count participant. So Tyler Boyd still on the field quite a bit. That said, when it comes to fantasy, not a reliable option and coming off of what's almost certainly going to be his biggest game of the season. I mean, I think by definition that means he is how much appeal he has is unclear, but it means that he's more marketable than he's been at any other time this season and 
is likely to be. So why not take this opportunity um, to do something clever with your roster? Move Tyler Boyd on the sell side of the Week 8 fantasy football uh, trade market. Uh, let's see here. Let's, uh, let's also have a look on the touchdown dependency tool over at rosterwatch.com. And let's just see Tyler Boyd. 5.43 targets per game is simply not going to do it either. Um, yeah, guys, let's go ahead and just let's continue down this path and see what we can do with Tyler Boyd this week. Marquise Goodwin. Uh, I had him on this list when I put it together yesterday. On the sell side of the week eight market, again, not anybody who's going to move the needle very, very much, but the fact that uh, it was looking like DK Metcalf could be out for a significant amount of time. And Marquise Goodwin had a pretty nice game uh, this last week. Let's just see the figures that Marquise Goodwin put up in week seven. Going to be a little bit more tapping around on the keyboard today for this episode. It's a 20-point, almost a 21-point game, half-point PPR for Marquise Goodwin on only five targets, but 67 yards and two touchdowns. So clearly the kind of sell-high profile um, that we tend to key in on because those numbers are simply not sustainable. But after flashing like that and with perhaps DK Metcalf being out for a while, it looked that Marquise Goodwin at least has some semblance of value in fantasy leagues, which is really news um, because he hasn't been relevant in a, in a while. And I thought maybe he's the kind of guy you could throw into a deal to a desperate losing owner in your league who needs a few guys. And again, you're not going to get, maybe this isn't for a top shelf player in return, but maybe this is, you know, you're aiming for him, you know, to add another flex player you, you have um, your eyes on in your league. And maybe you can cobble together a couple of guys um, that are bench players for you, including perhaps somebody like a Marquise Goodwin. And make a move like that this week. Um, we are seeing news today that DK Metcalf, and again, you cannot believe anything Pete Carroll says about injuries. But now Pete Carroll's acting like DK Metcalf and might not be out for very long. So um, this opportunity will not exist for very long uh, to do anything with Goodwin if we get the news Metcalf is back sooner than later. So again, you know, this is... Uh, sometimes you got to be ready to like to take action because these opportunities um, are oftentimes what they call ephemeral, very, very short in their lifespan. Uh, Paris Campbell and Michael Pittman in Indianapolis. I mean, Paris Campbell on a tear the last few weeks. Uh, picked him up in a couple of leagues. Um, and played him this last week. Obviously very, very happy with the results. I mean, this has been a long time in the making for Paris Campbell, a guy who ran excellent routes at the NFL Combine a few years ago. We always go in and we chart all the routes run between the wide receivers and the um, in the uh, quarterback wide receiver uh, throwing sessions, basically in Indianapolis. And we've been charting those for 10 years, and Paris Campbell put on a real show in there. Good pedigree out of Ohio State, just hasn't been able to put it all together, hasn't been able to stay healthy. The quarterback situation in Indianapolis certainly hasn't helped, but all of a sudden there was like a flicker of hope um, coming out of Indianapolis surrounding Paris Campbell the last few weeks, and he's really, really delivered. 
So you were feeling good that you picked him up and maybe played him last week or that you rostered him. Like that seemed like that's going to be a really could be a sneaky thing that ends up being at least to some degree a difference maker on your roster. Paris Campbell, 98% snap count last week, 12 targets, 10 touches, 70 yards on a touchdown versus Michael Pittman, who was 100% snap count participant on nine targets, 58 yards. We all know Michael Pittman was, you know, he was wide receiver, 12 half point uh, PPR heading into week seven. Let's see what that kind of performance in week seven did to Pittman. He's now wide receiver, 16 half point PPR points per game on the season for Pittman. So still a pretty good profile on the season there. Um, But Paris Campbell, you know, making his presence felt this last week. Um, I thought he might lose targets to a returning Jonathan Taylor and Naeem Hines, who, by the way, they got 13 targets in week seven amongst themselves as well. So that this was a function, I think, of uh, Indianapolis playing from behind. Uh, to, to some extent, I, I suppose, was kind of maybe been a pattern for them on the season. The problem is here, folks, Matt Ryan has been benched. And, I mean, that's not – he – actually, the problem is Matt Ryan. <laughs> from the Colts perspective and there's it's a very very accurate would be an accurate uh, sentiment uh, however the problem for fantasy when it comes to these skill players in Indianapolis is Matt Ryan looks like he's been benched for the foreseeable future we're getting the youngster Sam Ellinger out of uh, the University of Texas I don't know if it's Ellinger or Ellinger I'm sure Alex will correct me once he listens back to this I'm a Texas Longhorn. I should I should know, but boy, it's been painful to watch Texas football this last decade. And you know, my first priority is roster watch nation and this thing we do around the NFL and fantasy football uh, every year. Nonetheless, Ellen's are not. You know, there were some Tim Tebow comparisons at University of Texas and. Uh, you know, those were shot down by some national media personalities saying that was kind of an insult to Ellinger because he's a better passer than Tebow ever was. You know, that said, like, he was not not an elite passer. I don't even know how natural of a passer you would consider him. And while maybe a significantly better passer than Tebow, still a lot to be desired. So, you know, I don't think that the comparisons, at least to some extent, were totally out of bounds. And what does that mean? That means that's scary for fantasy football. And there's a little bit of hype around him coming in right now because Matt Ryan's been so bad. And it's kind of like we talk about this oftentimes, you know, sometimes the allure of the unknown creates value. You know, economics is about psychology, it truly, it truly is. People's expectations drive their economic behavior. Their, ec- their expectations come from their psychology. I'll never forget in economics back at University of Texas when I got my degree. Like One thing that always stood out to me is when we did all our mathematic kind of equations for various economic situations is that almost always the behaviors that we were estimating in our equations were preceded by the expectation, some sort of psychological expectation by on behalf of, uh, you know, the, 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 um, uh, you know, the population, you know, or the individual that we were kind of, you know, estimating, you know, their impact economically with these formulas. And, 
so this is a game of psychology. It's a game of sociology to uh, uh, some extent when we're looking at deals. And the psychology is good, I think, around maybe Sam Ellinger coming in right now just because it was so bad around Matt Ryan, or at least he hasn't been totally exposed as what might be a less than uh, polished passer in the NFL. Nonetheless, the uncertainty scares me. I'd be scared if I was a Michael Pittman owner. It's been a good season. We talked about moving him last week. You know, we've suggested it. We've suggested moving Michael Pittman, not with this quarterback change necessarily in mind, but opportunistic as we thought his value might have been near its height um, this last week. So nonetheless, if you didn't do it then, maybe you still got a chance to do it now. I would consider selling Michael Pittman just because I don't know what this is going to look like with the young quarterback. I, I, I tend to think it's going to be a downgrade for Michael Pittman and the same for Paris Campbell, who's been a lovely player the last few weeks, but I, I'm very, very uh, skeptical that this can continue. So I think while these guys, their value is up, I mean, how that's alchemy in Paris Campbell. You cultivated him as waiver wire gold using the waiver wire cheat sheet at rosterwatch.com for next to nothing. And now his value's up. And now this is the time that you, uh, uh, you make your next chess move and you capitalize on what you've already done. This is kind of like a compound move. You cultivated him on the waiver wire. Now we're going to leverage him in the trade market at rosterwatch.com. All right, folks, let's keep moving on here. Uh, I don't want to beat this to death, but Gabriel Davis, I mean, he still, no matter what, in Buffalo has the profile of a sell-high kind of guy. You know, I think he is what he is, and he's a pretty good player, and if you have him, you're happy to keep him. Certainly not a must-sell, but a low-volume, touchdown-dependent wide receiver. Clearly the wide receiver, too, on his own team. You can part with him if it's in a deal for a player who's really going to improve your roster and chances of winning this season, I think you should certainly consider it. If you can get a player with a lot of cachet, I think I believe that's I believe that would be shrewd. You know, I think that would be shrewd. Prestigious, more elite, more reliable, reliable, more players that you can depend on more as you look ahead. Jerry Judy. Folks, let's look at Jerry Judy because I believe he had a good game this last week, which is what we've been waiting for. He's one of these players that we've said is going to be on both sides of the fence. Like we're kind of trying to trade low on him a few weeks ago because he was in the basement. But, you know, now he's had that good game. He's had that good game. So if you don't roster him, you're not trying to trade for him anymore, obviously. But if you've been playing the Jerry Judy game all season, it's been a sweat. And, like, this is your chance to get out from underneath that. A lot of fantasy football, too, is about just relinquishing the headaches. None of this is a perfect science. A lot of it is, though, like, how can I just feel better about my team? How can I rest easier with these roster decisions? And a lot of it is just getting out of limbo with players like this that are just a nightmare all season. So this is your chance with Jerry Judy, perhaps. Obviously, the quarterback situation's deteriorated there somewhat. Sounds like Russell Wilson's trying to get back sooner than later. Apparently, he was rehabbing on the whole entire flight on the way to England for this 
uh, Jaguars-Broncos game this week. There is a bye in week nine. So it's a little, you know, I don't know how the the other side of the market is feeling there. They they may not be as, they may still have apprehension around Judy based on some of these circumstances. But the fact is he's coming off an 11-target, 96-yard game um, in week seven where he seemed to have more chemistry uh, with the backup quarterback. And, you know, there's rumors right now that he might get traded to, you know, possibly a Green Bay or a team like that. So, you know, after leading the uh, uh, leading the uh, Broncos passing game last week and putting up at least a respectable 13, 14 points in half-point PPR, um, you're not going to change the world with the Jerry Judy trade. But I think this is your opportunity to get him off your roster uh, just clean clean up your roster. Clean up your roster and clear, increase the player equity on your roster by taking a couple guys like Jerry Judy, putting them together, getting somebody back with more value in return, liberating a roster spot that you can add a waiver pro, uh, prospect that has similar value to a Judy or one of these other guys you're going to get rid of. So you're basically replacing him for free and in the midst of that upgrading, uh, you know, uh, a portion of uh, some element of your roster to a more superior uh, player. It's a win-win on the trade cast at rosterwatch.com. Uh, another one here is uh, th- these guys are on buy, so I think it's going to be difficult to trade them this week. Maybe. I don't know. Check in your league. But Miko Hardman and Juju Smith-Schuster, you know, Juju emerged the last couple of weeks with a few big games. He kind of looks like the real deal. Um, let's go ahead and pull up the stats here, the snap counts, touches, and targets tool at rosterwatch.com. Um, I think it's still for Juju Smith-Schuster was a 55% snap count. That's terrible. Eight targets, which is pretty much what he's been doing in recent weeks. Big 124 yards and a touchdown. Miko Hardman, 63% snap, only four targets, but 60 yards and a totally uh, – uh, unsustainable three touchdowns in week seven and then week six juju was 88 percent snap count much better still only five targets was a buck 13 and a touchdown so he's really producing he's producing with the targets he's getting he's getting in the end zone he's producing some yardage here miko hardman again pretty meager numbers in week six but to- but masked by the touchdowns so four touchdowns in two weeks for miko hardman juju smith schuster kind of looks like the real deal in this offense but still not still not a guy that I look at and say oh man I'm I'm feeling really really good about this you know every week rest of the season and this guy's going to be the big difference maker on my team I mean maybe he could continue this trend if it weren't for the bye week this week I'd be trying hard to sell Miko and Juju at kind of like top of the market value at least to this point on the season for those guys um that said even in the midst of a bye week you you may be able to move them in your league, especially Juju with the name recognition and the momentum. And I would certainly re- recommend that you do indeed consider that. Aaron Jones, running back, Green Bay Packers. What a what a roller coaster this has been. We've talked about Aaron Jones a lot on this podcast uh, this season. A lot as a a lot as a buy low for opportunistic winning teams that had stacked rosters and could kind of 
basically positioned it to where Aaron Jones would be a high upside flex for them down the stretch. Um, that's like been the ideal situation for uh, Aaron Jones. I think what we've discovered is you're probably you know have to down. You know, it used to be you could buy low on Aaron Jones and think he's going to rebound with RB one numbers. I don't think we can conservatively look at him or view him that way this season. Um, we got to be honest with ourselves. It's only 14.86 touches per game for Aaron Jones. It's been a dead even split with A.J. Dillon. Dillon, by the way, has evaporated into absolute dust in our fantasy football leagues. We're like totally dead weight, wasted on your ro- wasted spot on your roster, wasted draft pick. I don't even know what you can do with that guy, but at least – um, you know, at least Aaron Jones coming off of a game where he had a nice uh, fantasy bottom line here this last week after after some rough outings. So I think what we saw here is if you were able to trade for him low and kind of have him as this high upside flex in your roster, the luxury of doing that because you were a winning team with a lot of assets, then desirable assets, then I think you made the right move and we saw that manifest this last week. You love it if you know, you're going to get 24 points uh, from Aaron Jones kind of towards the bottom of your starting roster. But I think we've had to come to terms here that he's not really going to be an elite guy um, this season. So if that's what you were hoping for or if you're somebody who's just rostered Aaron Jones all season and has had to kind of withstand and endure really a – kind of a lot of pain as I'm as an Aaron Jones manager this year that I think this is your chance. Like, of course we talk about it. His values up. He's coming off a 24 point game. Um, in week seven, he is still averaging, you know, 4.7 targets, uh, per game. I think this is your chance. Like if you've got the Aaron Jones headache, this is the time to try to alleviate it this week. And Aaron Jones is a guy who can net you a really, really good player in a turn or, if you're a losing team because you've rostered a guy like that, like I think he's the kind of guy that still has enough um, value or uh, enough recognition that if you he could potentially even liquidate Aaron Jones into two flex players, preferably two buy low flex players in return, that would be really really smart if you're on the liquidation side of the of the trade market this week, meaning that you're a losing team or struggling team that needs a few more pieces to become more competitive on a weekly basis. Aaron Jones might be the perfect guy. And it's tough to part with these big name guys, but you got at some point you got to make moves to try to win your league. You got to can't just keep with the the status quo. So I think that's really 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 interesting um what you could do there or obviously if you're in a market for a consolidation trade where you want to take two players, package them together, liberate a roster spot, and net yourself a bigger fish. Aaron Jones, a great principal uh, piece in a deal like that. Or oftentimes we talk about, I think the terminology's changed a bit over the years that I've used here, but uh, you know, an equivalency trade or kind of an, a lateral uh, roster balancing trade, position for position, we talk about. Um, you know, the one-for-one one deals, those make sense when you're trying to balance your roster. So, for instance, you're deep at running back but short at wide receiver. Okay, well, in that case, like, take an Aaron Jones and make a lateral trade for a wide receiver of comparable value, balance your roster. 
and uh, feel better about things. I think he's he's a Aaron Jones is a guy you can do a lot with. I think this week, and um, I'd certainly recommend that you. Uh, consider that. Let's see here. What else do we have on? Let's just see. Let's see. I'm curious. Let's look at the snap counts, touches, and targets because this looks like it was actually, in some ways, a pretty ugly stat line for Aaron Jones last week before we move on. Let's give you the guys the full, the full Monty here, the full transparency. 74% snap count. That's really nice for Aaron Jones. That's better than we've seen. That's really a business. It was 50-50 there for a while. It was really 70-30. So that's encouraging to some extent. 17 touches, certainly encouraging for Aaron Jones. That's a big deal, you know, I think. If he can hang around a 17-touch-per-game guy instead of that 14 or 15 he's been at, that makes a difference. The problem here I see in Week 7 with Aaron Jones, it was 10 targets. So only seven rushing attempts. And how often are you going to rely on Aaron Jones to get 10 targets? It... It's, it certainly doesn't square with his target share on the season. And I think it just seems like an eye-popping number for running back. That's probably unsustainable. That said, part of the reason people were still interested in Aaron Jones this year was because they thought in a lot of ways, minus Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones would probably pick up a, some some portion of that slack, um, including additional targets. So this is what you like to see. Maybe it's just the upside in a given week target-wise for Aaron Jones and and less of an actual trend. But, you know, so maybe in some ways you feel good about that, but mostly I feel like that's unsustainable for a running back, and that concerns me, as is the two touchdowns from last week. So last week, really a mixed bag. Aaron Jones is still leaving, you know, it makes it unclear how to project them. Another reason to potentially try to move on this week for uh, greener pastures. Raheem Mostert on the week eight sell side of the fantasy football trade market. You know, again, if you've had Mostert, you know, Mostert's my guy. I've been talking about him since training camp. You've heard me talk about him on the Sirius XM show. I think everybody thought it was kind of a joke. And now here we are, Raheem Mostert really in the driver's seat in Miami. And he's had three out of four last good games. Um, People like the offense. There's a lot to, you know, Mostert, I think you're like, you're definitely getting a pretty big return on your value at this point. 14, 14 touches per game on the season, 2.71 targets per game on the season. That's definitely better than it started. Not a, a healthy uh, touchdown dependency uh, profile for Mostert. Let's see what the snap share was uh, this last week. Uh for most of that's terrific. Five targets, 20 touches, 109 yards, and a touchdown. I mean, this is the best profile we've seen. That's a great profile for him, Mostert. And maybe it's the continuation of a a trend in motion here. Week six, Mostert was a 62%, two targets, 15 touches, kind of a modest outing. Week five, Mostert was 69%, 19 touches, three targets, 122, and a touchdown. So two of the last three weeks, about a 70%, 20-touch guy, a three-to-five target guy, going over 100 yards twice. I mean, a touchdown in two of those three games, a lot to like here about Mostert, but a lot to like. That means you, if there's a lot to like about Mostert here. There's a lot of selling points with Mostert here, right? 
So there's a lot to like about selling him. There's a lot to like about the pitch that you can craft around a Raheem Mostert right now. There's a lot to like about how your league mates might feel about Raheem Mostert at this moment. So certainly not a must-sell, but you guys know this is a Mike McDaniel to a Tyree Kill Jalen Waddle collaboration. That's what it is. That's what the Miami offense is. And Mostert is kind of the... He's like a supporting actor. He's just kind of the running back that happens to be there, right? Now, by McDaniel's choice, came from San Francisco. I think he's a good fit, mostly from the feed speed perspective with what they're trying to do here. I still don't think he has the real goal line chops, which not that Chase Edmonds does. He didn't score a single touchdown last year either. Mostert's going to get that work, I suppose. I don't think he'll be always that effective there. But um, I just think that we're talking Raheem Mostert. You're pleased if you have him, but he's absolutely the kind of piece that we're willing to take a calculated risk, get aggressive with, and try to go after a bigger name in fantasy football. And I, I think you actually can. Like, I think these are guys you can do that with. We're talking about Aaron Jones. We're talking about uh, Raheem Mostert. Um, hell, even better. Let's talk about Ramondre Stevenson. Another guy we've talked about on the sell side of the fantasy football trademark the last few weeks. Not a must sell. Only a sell super high has been the mandate with Stevenson. And look, even in Damian Harris's return, Stevenson owned the backfield and really looks to have just continued the trend and almost cemented the trend of just being clearly the lead dog in all angles as the running back, even including in the passing game for the Patriots. Um, we've talked about how the writing's been on the wall about this kind of all season long you know, I think Damian Harris can will eventually rebound and get more involved. Um, that said, Stevenson, like a guy you're riding very high with, um, no, no mandate to sell, but certainly his high his value is through the freaking roof right now. And like, I actually think you could use a Ramondre Stevenson to go after a Jonathan Taylor or a Christian McCaffrey at this moment in time. And you just you got to think about that. You know, you gotta you can't be so down in the weeds on things that that stuff like that is lost on you. Sometimes you got to just zoom out and say like, wait a second. If I had, if I told myself this, I wouldn't have, you know, believed it, you know? So I think that's the case with Stevenson right now. Don't get so myopic because you're down, you know, you're down, you know, deep in, into things with your team and you're, I know you're thrilled about what's going on with them, but if you just zoom out, you say, God, like, that's just a, that seems like just makes sense. It's common sense, right? Like take a Ramondre Stevenson. If I can get a Jonathan Taylor, or Christian McCaffrey, I should consider it. And look, we're talking about Aaron Jones, Mostert, Stevenson. I think you can start to get there on a big time player uh, with some of these, some of these assets and, you know, it's to me, it's all a calculated risk, but it's worth taking. Like we're we're trying to win. We're trying to win. There's being getting second place in your fantasy league. Who cares? You got to get first place. So <clears throat> I just think you got to take a big crack at this thing and let the chips fall where they may. And ultimately, you know, ultimately, I just think that you're gonna feel your chances are better to win with a Jonathan Taylor or a Christian McCaffrey over the long run. I think that. Logic just has to bear that out. We'll see if it's true, but um, 
we'd rather see if we can increase our chances. Eno Benjamin, he's increased his chances of being a guy that you can sell. A good week last week for Eno Benjamin. You know, people are worried about, obviously, about uh, James Conner. He's been totally unhealthy and out of sight, out of mind. You know, can he return and reclaim his, you know, his bell cow role? I'm I'm a little concerned. I think McConnor is going to return to a committee at this point. So if you have, you know, maybe there's still hope he's going to be, maybe he takes over the lead. Maybe there's still hope he's carved his role as a nice flex even when Connor comes back. Um Maybe not worried about Connor here at this moment because we still don't have uh, clarity. Maybe you're still interested in, uh, you know, your short-term prospects uh, with Eno Benjamin. That said, I just think there's a lot of unclarity around the situation, and these are the things we want to try uh, to move on on from. And Eno Benjamin coming off of a 21-point performance um, in Week Seven, like that could very well be. Uh, his best game of the season, and ultimately, it you're probably looking at some kind of timeshare. What's going to make him an unreliable flex or a low end flex for you? So, again, you know what do your league mates feel about Eno Benjamin? They're not probably totally over the moon, but I think he's a guy that you like. People can't just totally if you if he's in a, if you're presented in a trade deal uh, with. Eno Benjamin, you can't just totally uh, trivialize that at this point or poo-poo it or kind of you know, overlook it. I think he's a relevant, at the very least, a relevant player. 16 touches, 5 targets, 113 yards, and a touchdown on a 73% snap count in Week 7 <clears throat> for Eno Benjamin. You know, Keontae Ingram starting to get involved. Daryl Williams kind of has fallen all off here. Uh, Keontae Ingram actually had a decent <clears throat> decent little contribution last week, but don't think anybody's overly worried about that. I think the Connor owner is worried about that, that this may be full-blown timeshare when he returns. Can he regain his footing on firm control of a bell call roll, Connor? Maybe. Well, I think it's going to be a process. We'll just have uh, to see. Um, and last week, you know, 87% snap count, three targets, 18 touches. I mean, the profile is good. Two out of the last three games or like solid fantasy performance. I mean, I think if you look, this is about, uh, 13 averaging about 13 fantasy points per game, half point PPR over the last, um, three weeks here, Eno Benjamin, <clears throat> I mean, he's got a good profile to market right now. You know, maybe your league mates are wise to not overvaluing, but um, I think you'd be wise to at least, you know, try to throw them into a deal and see if you can get something over the top uh, to a player who needs somebody right now. You know, maybe somebody needs two players right now, and Eno you know, Benjamin looks like a guy that you could play uh, right now. Gus Edwards, running back Baltimore Ravens, one of my favorites. There was probably probably one of my biggest disappointments in all of fantasy football was when Gus Edwards had the he had a he had just a death grip on the starting running back position for the Ravens last season after the J.K. Dobbins and Justin Justice Hill preseason injuries, but then 
Gus Edwards, I mean, he was going to have a monster season last year for the Ravens. I, I know it, and I always wanted to see it, and I'll always be disappointed that I didn't get to see it or experience it. Um, he, he blew his knee out, and that was that was it. But he's back. J.K. Dobbins is back getting a little more cleanup on his knee. And Gus Edwards <clears throat> looked pretty damn good in his first game back. We are seeing he's been limited in practice this week, probably – Probably no um, surprise there, uh, but as much as I like Gus Edwards, like you know, he's coming off of a knee injury. Uh, you know, you still got Lamar taking stuff away from these running backs in the run game. Ultimately, you've got Dobbins looming to re-enter the picture. You know, we've seen Kenyon Drake. It's it's kind of a committee. It's kind of a committee, right? For uh, the Ravens, is we kind of look ahead, so. As much as I think Gus Edwards is like a nice waiver wire pickup and a nice guy you could play right now, I think there's kind of some hype around him given the circumstances. And uh, I would use this opportunity to try to improve my roster. I think you can with Gus Edwards. Only a 36% snap count last week. Only one target. Those are ugly numbers. Two touchdowns. Certainly that's was a beautiful number on the bottom line last week, but it's an ugly number as we look towards pro- projecting ahead the project production we saw to Gus Edwards on uh 66 yards this last week so let's see what that amounted to uh let's see here Gus Edwards 18.6 points in his first performance back Uh, there's some pop there's some flash there's some sizzle surrounding Gus Edwards right now see if you can use that to woo one of your league mates, uh, you know, in in a deal while uh, while he's a hot commodity, and you know, move on to a better player. I think Gus Edwards has. He's not going to be the principal in one of those deals right now, but he's a guy you can throw in right now. I think can really get a deal over the top um, for you. Um, that is a Thursday night game with Tampa, so you'll need to act uh, quickly on that one. Not the easiest matchup of the week either. Short week for Gus Edwards. If you can't move him this week, maybe you'll still have an opportunity next week. As we mentioned it, a lot of these guys you know, were kind of a week early on. Uh, Antonio Gibson and Brian Robinson in Washington. I would consider trying to sell both of these guys. I mean, if you roster Gibson, you're pretty thrilled with kind of like the bottom line. Uh, this last week in terms of fantasy but I think if we're honest it's just kind of a it's a, it's it's a low upside it's a bad situation for the running backs it's really limiting their upside they're they're being decent flex contributors but <clears throat> you know the floor is bad and the upside is kind of limited so you can live with these guys but they're you know they're gonna be like fringe Flex guys, bench guys with you, they're nice to have. You put them in, you don't really feel that thrilled. It's like a competent player to slide in. So, you know, you don't feel bad when you have to play these guys, but you're, it's not, it's, it's, they're not must starts, you know, at this point. Brian Robinson, 47% snap count, two targets, 22 touches, 86 yards in week seven. Uh, Antonio Gibson, 39% snap count, four targets, 13 touches, 77 yards on a touchdown. It's just not a great profile for either of those guys. And they're both coming off of decent fantasy games. 
Brian Robinson's getting the volume. Gibson put up some decent bottom line numbers. Um, I'm looking here week six. Uh, ugly split between the three running backs in Washington. So I think there's a little bit of positive sentiment that maybe there's been some life breathed back into this Washington offense at the moment. And I would use that moment uh, to try to move on from Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson uh, in my fantasy leagues. Let's just see here. Let's see what Gibson. Gibson has been 13 touches per game on the season, and that's kind of like declining. His saving grace is his, uh, his four targets per game. Brian Robinson's been more 16 touches per game. Only 3.4 yards per carry, though. I'm just curious what Gibson is, yards per carry. Antonio Gibson, 3.8 yards per carry. So this is just an inefficient running game, especially from a fantasy perspective. I'd suggest you guys really really try to move on from Antonio Gibson and Brian Robinson uh, this week. Uh, we'll give you Gibson's bottom line number from week seven. Let's see, Antonio Gibson. 17 points in week seven. And it had been like, been like a thirsty man in the desert for the last month before that. A bunch of six-point games for Antonio Gibson. Three three of the last four games, basically six-pointers for Gibson. After a good start to the season, three double-digit games in a row, week one through three, but three single-digit games in a row, week four through six. This 17-pointer in week seven is it's the moment you've been waiting for uh, to try to, to reestablish some marketability with Antonio Gibson and move on. And as, as you can see, it's a risky game that'll evaporate quick. So you better make the move while you can. Uh, Khalil Herbert on the Bears side of things at the running back position, you know, a nice player that we all like a senior bowler, somebody that we've scouted live at roster watch. And certainly we're pleased with what we've seen out of him uh, <clears throat> in the NFL. Uh, week seven, a 41% snap count, 13 touches, two targets, 87 yards, and a touchdown. Versus Montgomery, 56% snap count, 15 touches, 62 yards, and a touchdown. Let's take a look back to week six. Week six, we had David Montgomery on a 78% snap count, 16 touches, a target, and 80 yards. We had... Khalil Herbert, only 22%, seven targets, 75 yards uh, for Herbert in week six. Let's see what we got here. And then on the season, we got David Montgomery. David Montgomery, only 14 and a half touches per game on the season. 1.83 targets per game on the season. Uh, I know he missed a little bit of time in one game, but that's, that's definitely uglier than you would have thought. And Montgomery only four yards per carry. I mean, that's not bad. That's that's like kind of baseline for a respectable. But Khalil Herbert, six point two yards per attempt on a, on eleven and a half touches per game. Some of that was inflated, obviously, when Montgomery missed a few games there. Targets per game, only one target per game for Herbert. So really, neither of these profiles. Uh, in Chicago, you're absolutely uh, thrilled with. Also the. Worst matchup in the league. Second worst matchup in the league per the matchup tool at rosterwatch.com. The Bears are at the Cowboys this week as big-time underdogs, which is another horrible sign for the run game. 
low projected game total in this one. Presumably the implied scoring is that Dallas is going to score the majority of those points in that game uh, by a significant amount there. So this is a good week. You know, I think Montgomery's probably fine. Maybe I'll, looking at this, I might even consider trying to move on from David Montgomery if I could. Um, but I think Khalil Herbert is the guy that otherwise, he's the one that's really, you know, you never know. You're just never going to know what to do with him minus a David Montgomery injury. And I think he's a guy people think he's good enough. I mean, they, I know he got most of his production when Montgomery was out, and your league mates know that, but he looked damn good when he's in there. I think he's kind of a guy that people think should and might get more touches as we look ahead based on the trend and the snap counts and the touches in week seven and, and just based on his the overall talent level. People were expecting this to be more of a timeshare heading into the season. It was kind of surprising that maybe it wasn't. But look, we've got head coach Matt Eberflus in Chicago uh, uh, suggesting this exact sentiment. They will continue to get Khalil Herbert more involved in the offense. So guys, whether that's true or not, who knows? But that is, you know, that contributes to a positive psychology surrounding Khalil Herbert and maybe some momentum for him on the trade market this week after a 16 and a half point fantasy game and half point PPR. Um, again, you know, he, he alone is not going to net you some life changing fantasy assets, but Khalil Herbert, certainly a guy I think has enough value, enough sheen that you could do something with them on the trade market this, this, this week. And, and these are the guys you want to move on from. What are you going to do with a whole team full of these guys? You never know who to sit or start this week. Uh, they're in a lot of ways. They're, you know, you're not improving your starting roster with these guys. You're, you're handcuffed, you're paralyzed from uh, waiver wire moves. So I would suggest moving on. All right, folks, uh, we are having a blast every week at rosterwatch.com with our new weekly feature, Win the Trash Man's Money. It's the first time the Trash Man has ever given away uh, money in his lifetime. This is his way to say thank you. This is his way to pay it back. This is his way to show gratitude for Roster Watch Nation for single-handedly bringing him out of poverty and despair and to a working man's life where he has actual pride and has found meaning in his life as having a real job here with roster watch and supporting roster watch nation uh with their fantasy league so this feature every week is a sunday night football uh squares pool that we're running at rosterwatch.com um it's uh we do it for the primetime sunday night game it's a primetime feature win trash bands money uh, the week eight version of that at rosterwatch.com to join this week's win the trash man's money featured contest for roster watch nation just click the link on the ticker at rosterwatch.com or click the link pinned on our twitter feed at rosterwatch make sure you're doing this from your mobile device uh, it's been a blast the last few weeks we've had some some great games and um, some fun winning squares and um, look we've had members of roster watch nation uh, making real cash money straight out of the trash man's dingy, dirty, and disgusting pockets. And once again, 
uh, the week eight version of Win the Trash Man's Money. You can join this contest either by going to rosterwatch.com, finding the link in the ticker, or just going to uh, our Twitter feed at rosterwatch. Look for the pinned tweet at the top. Uh, this is a free entry contest every week of the season. Uh, we certainly hope to see you in there this week. All right, folks, let's move on to the buy side of the week eight fantasy football trade market. I think there's some nice names here. This is another nice trade market this week. It really, really is. Um, we had a few weeks ago where you had a crack at some big name wide receivers. If you didn't get them then, I think you get a, another little you know, swing at that pitch to a lesser degree this week. And I would begin with CeeDee Lamb. CeeDee Lamb with Dak Prescott back in the fold. These Cowboys starting to look like they're, you know, they're a, they could be a real contender um, this year. Um, that said, I think people were like looking at that matchup last week at home against Detroit and expecting possible, uh, you know, gangbusters out of CeeDee Lamb, especially with a Dak Prescott return. I think other folks might have said, you know, it could take a little minute when Dak returns for this offense to hit their stride. You know, so you, who knows what camp your league mates are are in, but there's a good chance here somebody could be a little bit disappointed in CeeDee Lamb. It's been the last three games have been very, very, very mediocre. You know, he's been very, very, very mediocre the last three weeks. For C.D. Lamb, he's got a tough matchup on paper this week against the Chicago Bears. And then it's a bye. And easily there could be a team in distress with C.D. Lamb, which of course makes a very enticing target. You know, distressed teams, are the, they're motivated to make moves potentially. You might not be able to rip them off. But you, you may be able to obtain their good players, which is ultimately, you know, the top priority um, on the trade market. Uh, CeeDee Lamb, only six targets in week seven. Let's see what the snap counts look like uh, this last week for CeeDee Lamb. Uh, let's see. CeeDee Lamb was an 83% snap count, six targets, 66 yards, out-targeted by one target with by Noah Brown. Uh, the running backs really did the damage for the Cowboys this last week. Let's see where Lamb is. CeeDee Lamb, wide receiver, 25 on the season, half-point PPR. I mean, that's just a that's a disappointment. I think it's like a mandate that we try to go after CeeDee Lamb this week. Um, and you really are probably going to get another chance at it next week. If he doesn't just explode this week against Chicago, which the indicators um, you know, aren't, aren't encouraging that this is the breakout game for Lamb, then he's got to buy next week. So you're going to get another chance at this. CeeDee Lamb needs to be square on the radar for Roster Watch Nation. I think he'd be one of the smartest guys you could try to acquire that has big-time breakout potential um, down the stretch after the buy. Um, certainly no guarantees based on what we've seen so far this season, but all rational logic dictates that that would be a really smart move. And the thing is, like, I think he's affordable, right? I think you can get Lamb. You can get Lamb with a decent price tag. And, I mean, that's a great – this is like a quintessential example of who we're looking for. Somebody that is undervalued, that has big-time breakout potential that we can kind of buy low on this week. And CeeDee Lamb, I think, fits that bill. I mean, he is getting 9.43 targets per game. I think that could go up. So – He's going to be on the precipice of kind of that 10-target club. This is basically where Michael Pittman's target volume was when he was running at wide receiver 
12. So I don't know. I, I, I still truly think CeeDee Lamb has real upside to be a wide receiver one and maybe even a top shelf wide receiver one down the stretch as this offense um, as this offense gets in gear. As this offense gets in gear. So I'm I'm recommending strongly this week that you guys get you get in gear and get in hot pursuit of CeeDee Lamb. Um on the trade market in your fantasy football league. Another guy I think you can do this with, Amon Ross St. Brown. I mean, talk about out of sight, out of mind, this psychological game we play here, bias, all kinds of stuff that gets built into the way that your league mates value these players. I mean, it wasn't too long ago we were saying, oh my God, Amon Ross St. Brown, like, you know, we were all thrilled. Uh, we were all blown away with what he did last season, but the beginning of this season, uh, the beginning of this season really corroborated what we saw last year. Like, holy shit, this is really real with Amon Ra. And like to begin the season, this guy was an elite, an elite fantasy asset. Let's see here. I want to look him up here. Amon Ra St. Brown. So shit, we had a missed week in week four. You know, we had the injuries missed week in week four, a very piddly week in week five a bye week in week six, and then he scored only .9. You heard me right, .9 fantasy points, less than one single fantasy point in what was supposed to be his return in week seven for Amon Ra St. Brown on only one target. So, you know, there's just, it's hard for his managers. Part of the reason we're interested is we think that he his value could be restored potentially to what we saw in the early season, which would be kind of season-changing for some rosters i mean he was like he was really performing quite well the first three weeks of the season and he flashed some pretty big upside in the offense and it's clear like jared goff in the offenses i think is missing it you know the connection uh with him in detroit you know it's so it's speculative can this thing come back together for amon raw uh st brown uh, he has been in the concussion protocol this week um he was limited in practice on Wednesday uh the Lions are saying he didn't actually suffer a concussion so we're hoping he can gain uh clearance this week because this could be the chance for him to have a bounce back Miami is a great matchup for fantasy wide receivers they've allowed the six most points on the season um to date so Guys, I mean, Amon Ross St. Brown was 12 targets, 12 targets, 9. He was a 10-target guy the first month of the season before uh, he had to bow out for a little bit. So, you know, can we expect that? I don't know, but there's there's no way that his that any rationally-minded managers of his are able to really hold on to that value he had early season. So I think logic dictates he's probably got a depressed value in your league, and there's a pretty good chance he bounces back to become if not a relevant or productive fantasy player, maybe like a surprisingly good fantasy player with upside. And certainly I think there's he's an obtainable asset and there's value to be had there. Some risk associated, but I think we have an interesting calculated risk. It's an interesting calculation to try to obtain a Monroe St. Brown on the fantasy football trade market, on the buy side of the week eight fantasy football trade market right here on the rosterwatch.com tradecast. If you are in search of a flex or a wide receiver in your fantasy football league, um, Debo Samuel, this is 
An interesting one. I mean, it's been overall a decent season, but not what his managers were hoping for, especially even in the return of Garoppolo, which I think people thought would be a big boost to Samuel. And now he's dealing with a hamstring. So again, you're, Debo is one of these guys, you're not going to just rip somebody off for him. But I think the fact that he's even possibly available is kind of the news in itself. And that has to be the case here. I think there's also the skepticism around, you know, was what we saw out of Debo last year for real long-term? And was it sustainable? A lot of worries about like, you know, that was a big season and he's a great player, but is that really who he is like for the next several years? You know, people wanted to kind of see it again to make sure. And certainly people thought there would be the negative touchdown regression almost certainly built in this year. Um, so I think all that creates a possible possible opportunity around Debo Samuel, uh, who did not practice Wednesday and is currently questionable, going in on a tough tougher matchup against the Rams this week and then a bye in week nine. I mean, it was all double-digit fantasy points for Debo Samuel week one through week six. So he was really on a roll there, which made him pretty useful but really, the upside was never there. Those were all 10 and 12-point games and half-point PPR. We had one game of over 20 points, and it was just a 21-pointer. So it's not like he had a 30-plus-point epic you know, monster there. So he'd been plugging along, but it hadn't been – it had been consistent, but it still had been disappointing for a lot of his managers. And then you look at the targets, you know, they're, they're – they're down quite a bit. Let's see what Debo is here. Debo Samuel, wide receiver, 18 on the season, points per game, half point uh, PPR. Uh, let's go ahead. Let's look here. Debo Samuel. Uh, let's see. Debo Samuel. 7.71 targets per game. That's That's a scary number for Debo owners and – I mean, it's a scary number even projecting his value looking forward. Again, this is like a calculation that he could that he gets touches in unorthodox ways as well. Uh, looks like he's even been out-targeted here. Brandon Ayuk, 11 targets in Week 7 on a 94% snap count. George Kittle, 9 targets in Week 7 on an 89% snap count. Debo Samuel, only 7 targets on an 86% snap count. That was Week 7. Let's look at week six. 83%. He was a 10-target game for Debo and George Kittle in week six, but still 11 targets for Ayuk in week six. So it's looking like this thing is starting to kind of be a pick in terms of target share between Ayuk, Samuel, and Kittle on a weekly basis. Um, now you have the worries. Christian McCaffrey is going to come in and probably soak up some of the kind of alternative snaps and touches that Debo was getting out of the backfield. So I think there are some legitimate concerns around Debo Samuel here, which makes us maybe, you know, we're not, we don't have to go all in to go after him, but I think if there's, you know, I think the fact that those concerns are in the air around him are what create a potential opportunity to buy a player like this, that this week and just kind of live with the results. Like, you know, we'll see what happens. But if you get Debo Samuel, we know he's one of the best players in the league. 
You put him in your roster, I think you feel pretty good about that. So if there's a reasonable deal to be had on Debo Samuel this week, um, I think you take a look at it. I'm not sure he's going to give the same value as a CeeDee Lamb or an Amon Ross St. Brown, but who knows in your league, and maybe you're a real Debo aficionado, well, this could be your opportunity to roster him. Chris Godwin for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, another guy I think is very obtainable right now. You know, coming off the knee, I think we've seen, you know, I, I think you see that he is still kind of maybe not 100%, but I don't know. The Bucks are in trouble, and I think that Brady's going to lean on Godwin, and Godwin's a tough son of a bitch, man. And he's coming off of 13 targets in week seven, 12 targets in week six, 10 targets in week four, and we know Mike Evans has not. He's been a very low target volume guy, so it's kind of like, do I want do I want Brady's safety blanket, high target volume guy in the Bucks offense? Do I want that guy? Do I want to deal on that guy? I think the answer is yes. I mean, just listen to what you're saying. Like, you would say like, well, like yeah, like why am I even, you know, <laughs> why 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 would I even question that when you know sometimes just listen to what you're saying and you're like, okay, that. You know, if I remove myself from the situation and just tried to be agnostic about it all, I would say, yeah, like that's a calculated risk worth taking. Less than 10 points in fantasy, three of the last four games, only a 12 pointer in week six. So, very, very modest production for Chris Godwin, but the targets are there. I think he's an interesting guy, and I think he's an interesting guy that's possibly had for pretty cheap, uh, which makes him enticing to me you know how do i kind of maybe put him in the same bucket with an amon raw st brown i'd be interested which of those two you could get cheaper i think i prefer st brown in a vacuum but if i could get godwin cheaper then i'm equally as interested and you know on the other hand if if st brown is somehow cheaper in your league than godwin then i think that makes even a better move but i think both players guys we should look at Almost nine targets per game on the season for Godwin. We've seen a big uptick, though, in that number in uh, recent weeks. He's yet to score a touchdown. That's somewhat ugly. Let's see what the snap counts have been for Chris Godwin. Uh, 89% snap count on those 12 targets in week seven. Uh, I mean, in week six. In week seven is a 94% on the 13 targets. Now, we did see Mike Evans finally get a boatload of targets last week but overall he's been kind of a lower volume so you know what the other thing is i'd expect chris godwin to get healthier as the season progresses so we probably haven't seen the best of him i think it's kind of smart to go after chris godwin on the week eight fantasy football trade market or possibly beyond maybe if you can't get it done because it's a thursday game this week very well could be the kind of guy that we can continue to look at next week all right folks over at the tight end position you know, Kyle Pitts may ultimately just be a complete booby trap for fantasy this year. That's what it's looking like. And sometimes we just wait too long to acknowledge, you know, the, the things are what they are after you have some amount of data on the season. Um, I still just tend to think like you don't have a lot to lose. If you can get a cheap enough deal on Kyle Pitts, the tight end position is so mediocre that I just don't think you have a lot to lose if you have the assets to get it done. And I mean his his price tag has to be just his, just in the in the basement right now. I mean totally. So 
I don't know. I'd still snoop around Kyle Pitts if I didn't have a top five-ish tight end that I was uh, uh, feeling good about. I think Darren Waller is another guy at tight end we continue to look at. Sounds like he's closer to getting back, but it's been a tough season for him. He's missed games. I think he's available. And Waller, we know, has he does have... I mean, Adams is stealing some of the thunder, clearly, with his target volume. But I still think Darren Waller, if you can get the right price tag on him, like that's a pretty good... I think that's a pretty good solution at tight end that uh, I, me personally, I'd be willing to take my chances. If I could get something done, I need a tight end there. Mark Andrews, we all know he's one of the best tight ends in the league. You're not going to really get a deal for him, but he was finally shut down in week seven for once on the season. So I think by definition, like, his value's not down a lot, but maybe it's down a little bit. And then he's kind of 50-50 to play this Thursday night game this week. Uh, you know, so if it looked like, you know, those two things combined could create some type of maybe not buy low opportunity, but maybe some even some kind of buy opportunity on Mark Andrews. I would look at it because he's one. Of, he's an elite. Now that we talk about, these other guys that, you know, it may not be life-changing moves. Like Mark Andrews is probably a life-changing move in your fantasy league if you were able to get something like that done. And then, you know, guys, we also look at kind of what are the other ways that we can look for manufactured opportunities or kind of contrived opportunities to create buying scenarios that might not other be otherwise be available. Well, buy weeks. Buy week buys is what I like to call them. And we got Chargers and Chiefs on buys this week um so if there's any of their top shelf players you're interested in acquiring you know doing if you can afford to absorb the bye week and your league mate can't this is a good opportunity to pursue those guys i mean keenan allen had a stinker kind of in his return this last week now he's on a bye you know, his owners have been really taking a beating this year. I think, like, you could go back after him. Um, you know, I don't know if you can get a Kelsey or a Mahomes, but, you know, if you want to look at the elite guys on Kansas City, maybe that's an opportunity to get those guys. Maybe it's an opportunity to get, you know, Eckler or Justin Herbert. You know, I would consider those possibilities in your league. And then the other situation we look at are injured players. We're kind of out of sight, out of mind. What opportunities are there? And I think Cordero Patterson should continue to be a player we look at on that front. A player that uh, you might be able to get a deal on at this moment because he's been out. And maybe his manager needs players that help, can help them win uh, right now. I think he'd be a nice player to bring back and you can get, probably get a nice deal. You may be able to say the same for, say the same for DK Metcalf, if not this week, sometime soon. You know, and now we're hearing he might be not out for that long. If that's the case, you'll need to act sooner than later. Um, but keep up with the you know keep up with the information on DK Metcalf. I think he's an injured guy. We like that offense in Seattle. I think there's there's uh, there's I think DK is an interesting guy to try to add to your roster, and you might be able to do it while he's injured for a decent discount. Hollywood Brown. He's out at least four weeks, but they're saying in Arizona it could be longer than that. I think it was the foot. Obviously, we've had DeAndre Hopkins return. 
So a lot of a lot of dings to Hollywood's value um, at the moment. And I, you know, what is he going to return and be? I'm not sure. You have to figure that out too. But he was on a monster tear at the beginning of the season, especially with target volume with Kyler. I think he's an interesting guy to stash. So it would be like an awesome flex maybe later in the season if you can get a cheap deal on him right now or in, in the coming weeks when we get more clarity. I'd say keep an eye on Hollywood. Traylon Burks, another guy to maybe keep an eye on the rookie wide receiver in Tennessee. I think his he's basically he may have been dropped in your league, but I think he's got basically zero value in normal redraft leagues at this moment. And I think he could have significantly greater than zero value uh, later in the season if he's able to return healthy. Uh, again, a purely speculative play and, you know, uh, kind of a luxury play. Uh, but if you could stash him, I think I'd be interested in doing it. You know, if I was a team that uh, could afford to put a lot, put a guy like that, like on IR or, you know, in a, in a roster spot that I'm, um, <clears throat> don't mind being tied up at the moment. All right, folks, we always like to leave you with some mock trade deals to give you some actionable ideas to uh, leave leave the trade cast with and, and try to go um, advance your own trade discussions in your own league. So here are a few ideas I have for you. Why not take Aaron Jones or Ramondre Stevenson and throw in Jerry Judy or Gabriel Davis and go after Jonathan Taylor? Or, heck, maybe even Christian McCaffrey, who I didn't really put in this episode, but I, why not? I think you could look at that. Why not take Raheem Mostert, Antonio Gibson, Brian Robinson, Gus Edwards, Khalil Herbert, take any of those kind of second or third tier running backs who are kind of a little bit sell high you know, opportunities at this moment. You know, package up two of those guys or take one of those guys and throw in a Tyler Boyd. Um, you know, can you go after a Leonard Fournette? Yeah, guys, I'm I'm seeing here a couple of running backs that I wanted to talk about for sure. Well, I guess we'll just capture him here in this in these mock trade deals. Leonard Fournette, guys, a buy low running back at this moment. Been pretty good on the season. There's some negative sentiment surrounding him in Tampa. Some people are suggesting the rookie Rashad White to get a little more involved. I think Fournette's going to be fine. I think if you can buy low on him in your league, he'd be like a super interesting guy to do that with. Um come to you probably with a very reasonable price tag. I'm actually very interested in trading for Leonard Fournette this week. And then Jonathan Taylor, I just mentioned it in the mock deal, but a guy who's lived on this list basically all season. Uh, it's It's been a rough season for Taylor owners. Um, but I think, there, I think the buy low window, I think there's a buying window still open on him. And I just think he's a guy you take your chances with. He's a guy that you take your chances with. You try to go big. Um, or you try to go home. So there's a couple more week eight buys for you. Studly guys on the running back side. This is a nice week. You know, you could try to buy Jonathan Taylor. You could try to buy Leonard Fournette. Go buy CeeDee Lamb. That might be my favorite buy of all this week. Amon Ross St. Brown could turn out to be a spectacular buy if you can get him while his value's in the basement and he rebounds to early season form as the season progresses. Debo Samuel, I think you get a discount this week. Chris Godwin, I think you get a discount uh, and I don't think you have to make like an earth-changing move to obtain that guy. Kyle Pitts, Darren Waller, if you're still in limbo at tight end, why not look at those guys? You know, if, you, if you're if you a rich team, winning team, you know, lavish with assets, uh, 
Why not look at maybe seeing if you can steal Cordero Patterson from a struggling manager at this point? I think these are things that we should consider. I think you should also t- consider take Terry McLaurin or Michael Pittman or even one of the lesser wide receivers that we discussed on the sell side of the week eight uh, trade market earlier in this episode. You know, and package them with one of the other guys. Take a couple of these guys, you know, Antonio Gibson and and Michael Pittman or, you know, Terry McLaurin and, you know, Raheem Moster. Can you go get a CD Lamb or a Debo Samuel? I think you can, you know, you can do, you can take a couple of the guys we talked about on the sell side. Um, you're going to have to have one of them at least be some, you know, quasi marquee to bring home a guy like CD. But, you know, I think that the, the guys are there to do it this week. This is up to you to make it happen. Take Tyler Boyd or Paris Campbell plus Eno Benjamin. Can you get Chris Godwin or Amon Ra St. Brown? You know, maybe these deals will get it done in your league. Maybe you have a better idea, but this gives you a roadmap. You know, maybe you've got to sweeten the pot a little bit. Maybe you're able to pitch out a little bit of a cheaper configuration of a deal that I just did and, you know, make that your first proposal to your league mate for one of these guys. Who knows? Maybe you'll pull off a cape or... Anyways, Roster Watch Nation, uh, we thank you so much for all of your loyal support. We're hoping you're having a fantastic season. We're rooting for all of your teams, and um, we wish you we wish you very very well in Week Eight. Until next time, Roster Watch Nation. Godspeed. We got to install-